Hello, world, and welcome to the Philanise Nash Experience podcast, a new audio series of lighthearted and sometimes third eye opening conversations on a variety of topics from the African American perspective. I am your host, Philanise Nash. Welcome. On this episode, we are looking into a day in the life of a consultant, specifically how to maintain balance while affecting social change. And so my guest today wears many, many hats. She's an author, a key, and I took this straight from from your bio, author, (laughs) keynote speaker, professor, strategist, navigator, coach, storyteller, mediator, consultant, and above all, the owner of the Conflict Chick. She is a wife, a mother of four, and is very active in the community. And I know her best for her workforce development work in the criminal justice field. I want everyone to give a warm welcome to the Conflict Chick Dawn Stone, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, happy to be here. Is everything good? Yes. Good, good. Yes, all is good. You doing all right? Doing well, doing well. Taking a much needed break and thank you for having me here today. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us. Um, So let's just kind of get right into it. Um, We're going to talk about all that you do shortly. But first, uh, we've got this COVID situation that's just at the forefront of everything that's going on. And I just want to know, how are you and the family surviving COVID now? Well, I tell you very carefully. So um, the one thing I guess I should say with the four children, we have them age two to 21. So we have basically every stage of life in the house. So we have to navigate it pretty carefully. So what we're doing is homeschooling, being a toddler's playground, and also handling the business of the adults in the house. So um, the one thing that I've been able to really do, I think, exceptionally well has been block timing. Mm. So when COVID struck back in March and it was official, um, what we did is I pretty much looked at everyone's activity and looked at everyone's habits and sleeping habits mm-hmm. and found my own space. So as the entrepreneur and the professor, not only did I have to do over 50 uh, Zoom calls and conferences during the week, um, I also had to maintain two school schedules plus the toddler playground <laughs> and be a wife. So literally had to schedule everything. Yes. yes <laughs> but it works. Yes. I love whiteboards. I have everything yes. up on a whiteboard and everyone's schedule going on. I, yes, but organization is key, right? It is. And I mean, you know, using block timing has really helped not only in our business, but in managing the school schedule. So, like yeah. my 14 year old, I found her sleep patterns. She likes to stay up until about three or four in the morning. And so she has to get up to start her schoolwork between 10 and 1130. So finding those habits also allowed me to find some time for me. So my me time was between one and 3 a.m. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I wouldn't even make it to my me time. I'd be crashing in the middle of somebody else's work time. <laughs> But it is beautiful. It's a beautiful, especially as an author, that was the best time to write, Phyllis, because everyone was asleep. 
And so I could write between one and three uninterrupted because the teenagers are in their rooms, binge watching shows, the toddlers asleep, hubby was asleep. It was great. <laughs> well, that's good. So yeah. are we working on book two right now? Yes. At the end of two and working on the children's book. So book three is, is due to be done at uh, the end of this month. So that's Bully Less, Love More, co-written by my uh, 14-year-old daughter. Oh, awesome. Oh, we got the family involved. Good, good, good. Everybody has to have a job. (laughs) Well, we're going to give out your social media towards the end so everyone can follow you and make sure that they can grab a copy of that when that drops. So we'll definitely make sure everyone knows about that. So you are super, super busy. We've known each other for some years now, and you constantly are on the move. And in a great way, because you are always working on something that's for the greater good. I must tell everyone that you are socially conscious. You are always at the forefront and involved in the background on a lot of things that are going on legislation, but always working on socially conscious things. So can you just kind of give us a a brief intro into the conflict chick? Who's Don Stone? All right. Well, I am all of those things that you mentioned. (laughs) And uh, what I enjoy most is helping communities, organizations, and individuals really make connections one conversation at a time. So uh, what you're alluding to is my past uh, 12, oh my goodness, is it 15 years, really? Oh, time goes fast. It does. Uh, In the space of justice, this justice-involved space. So I've done a lot with um, nonprofits and for-profit agencies where I help them from a workforce standpoint and a strategy standpoint, devise solutions to make it more plausible for those with records to realize some normalcy and reconnect with their family and loved ones. So I still do that for a living. I love it. I'm on a contract now with some amazing uh, people inside a nonprofit. And I tell you, it doesn't get old. Yeah. I, I just, Absolutely love it. And so being the conflict chick, you know, we are not without conflict every day. You may have conflict choosing a cereal that you want to eat, or maybe someone drank all the almond milk. So everything that we do in the house literally gets to go to my job as well. And with COVID, yes, uh, I've seen a spike in the work that I do. So um, yeah, the diversity, equity, and inclusion since the, uh, the murders, the senseless murders of a lot of our our brown and and black people around the country has afforded me the opportunity to have some very crucial conversations in various organizations about, you know, what do we say? What does allyship look like? Um, How do we work through and work with not only um, blacks or African-Americans, but also people who are marginalized? So that's kind of where the conflict kick came from. <laughs> yes. And you're also um, in Tennessee, you have to be what's called rule 31 to be a, a certified mediator. And both of us are rule 31 mediators. But I think we both came up through Lipscomb. Did you get yours through Lipscomb? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, their conflict division of conflict management. Yes. And I love it. And I use that particular degree. So like I have two masters and working on my doctorate now. And that master's degree, the second master's, the first was in business, but the one from Lipscomb University, I use every single day, personally and professionally. So I enjoy helping others find, you know, amicable ways to drive peace. Yes. 
and have peaceful solutions. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's rewind because you know the focus of of my show is entrepreneurship, and then yeah. also the maintaining the familial relationship, the husband wife and the family relationship. So I want to just go back just a little bit about your beginnings of being in business for yourself. I saw that you posted, I think on LinkedIn, an article about hustling. You know, you have your nine to five that pays the bills and then you've got your your job or what you're hustling to do full time on the side. Mm -hmm. And you've been working for yourself since you were 19. 19. So tell us about your journey of a businesswoman and how you've come to be a full-time consultant digging up your business as you have to eat what you kill. So how did you move from corporate into that? Okay. That's a very good, you know, what's funny, uh, Phil, I have to tell you this funny story because it actually began before 19 when I was in first grade, I didn't go to kindergarten. I tested it out. I was allegedly a very smart student in first grade. I remember coming home and telling my parents, I said, Hey, I'm not going to go to work. I don't even need to go to school anymore because I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to sign my own checks. Mm -hmm. I said that at the age of six. And so I literally started working as an entrepreneur at that very early age. So in the third grade, fast forward, we moved from East Nashville to North Nashville. And apparently no one understood the hustle quite like your girl. I would go every Monday. I would get money from my mom and dad. Every Monday, I would go to the bookstore, which was right beside my classroom, and I would buy up all of the number two pencils for a nickel each. So I could buy the whole bin, and then I'd sell them for 10 cents to a quarter to the rest of the, the school. So I was doing that at that age. And I would sell, I was selling freeze cups. You know, I'd freeze some Kool-Aid, put them in styrofoam, and sell those, selling pickles. Now and later. I started that in elementary school. So I'm so glad. Thank you, mm. Bordeaux Elementary, for not putting me out. But um, I know that was probably illegal. And so then at the age of 19, I started working for an organization called Prepaid Legal Services. And it was a quick start, too. So I kind of did that. And that's, that was this whole marketing thing where you pay for services. It was a subscription service. So I started doing that while I was interning. And so I turned my internship into a full-time position where I was working at Nortel Networks in telecommunications. I was the only intern who worked starting one semester for the summer, and I turned it into my full-time job. So two days after graduation, I had an offer, and my friends were like, how'd you do that? I was got to be me, I guess. I don't know. I just asked the question. Yeah. And so being able to use a lot of that, not that natural grit, uh, my mother was a business owner. My grandmother was a business owner. My great-grandmother was a business owner. So I, I've been able to build on the shoulders of my ancestors and on their apron strings and really understanding how to hustle early. And so then I hit a pinnacle. You remember 2007, 2006 through 2008, we had that divot. <laughs> yep. We'll call it a divot. It was a financial cliff. Crisis, yeah. Right. I, I was out giving birth to then my 14 year old and came back to a job that was eliminated within three weeks. So the hustle from the eighties and nineties then turned into a Nashville's first full vegetarian and vegan restaurant. It was a mobile kitchen called the veggie cafe. So I started that and had a couple of businesses um, incorporated in it in 2007. Yeah. 
And so it's just always been like a thing for me. So I've been able to sell three businesses out of the eight that I've owned. Man, congratulations. I love it. Yes, that's wonderful. And I teach my children that. And I'll tell you as a coach now, some of the things that I have learned back in the day and some tactics and techniques that I've deployed, I actually put into my first book. Uh, which is positive pudding, 30 days to a more positive you. Because a lot of times uh, what I found over the, the past decades in corporate America is that people had a fixed mindset. And if you keep a fixed mindset, you will always let someone else write your check. Mm-hmm. And so I never had that. Never, ever, ever. And there were some organizations that were like, okay, you can go because you obviously don't want to be here. And I was like, okay, I'll just go. I already have a couple of businesses over here. Right. And and so I put that into the book and was able to, with my coaching group, the last coaching group that just graduated in May, we had seven young ladies and six of them started their businesses within 30 days. That's awesome. And so one of them has already put her book. She has a children's book that she wrote and put out. Um, two are nonprofits. A third nonprofit is coming at the end of the summer. I mean, I tell you, you can do so much when you understand the grind and the hustle and really enjoy it because you have to entrepreneurs have to love this type of work or you will you, you'll flounder a little bit yeah, yeah. You, will. <laughs> you will you will flounder so this is a question that i've asked in a previous interview and it is are entrepreneurs born or can they also be bred as well or crafted yes Yes. I think a lot of them, it's kind of funny. I think it's a little of both. Um, So I think some of us are born. I know I am. I was a born entrepreneur. There is no doubt. I mean, I started from the womb. My mother used to say, you're driven from the womb. And I'm like, is that a bad thing? I mean, don't, (laughs) don't you want your children to get out of your house and do things? Right. And so I've instilled that in my children. So if they were predispositioned for something else, I don't know it. Because all of them are entrepreneurs, with the exception of the two-year-old, although he does have his own Instagram account, and he's pretty pretty popular on TikTok. Okay, so I'm going to have to follow Xavier. <laughs> I didn't know he had his own IG account. He is he is Xavier Stone official or something. I, you know, I can't keep up. His sisters. Yeah, he's funny, but when he appears in a TikTok, he gets more likes than anyone else. So you know what? But he's such a cutie pie. I mean, I'm not surprised about that. <laughs> so I, I do think uh, they are born, and then if you are willing to take the skills um, and the tools that are given to you with the, the help of a great mentor uh, or a set of mentors, then I think it can be curated to where you are an entrepreneur, but there are some key traits that you have to have to be successful. You have to be willing to work. You know, it's just not something that is, it is definitely a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint and it may take you a number of times to, to get it right. So when you fail, you have to fail fast. That's the only thing that I can tell you and continue to learn from your grind and surround yourself with other entrepreneurs. Yeah. You know, I tell people a lot, you know, if you move to a new city, you need to find the hub, whether it's an entrepreneur center or something, you got to be around like-minded people and get it connected into that network Mm -hmm. because it's crucial. We're everywhere. Entrepreneurs are everywhere. You just got to know where to find us. And with technology these days, it's not that hard. It's not. 
And being able to pivot in organizations or even in your own businesses is a key trait of a successful entrepreneur. Like look at the COVID-19 pandemic. For two months, I lost 100% of my income because when COVID struck, all of the accounts moved out to the end of the year. Right. And I'm like, whoa, so what can I do next? And I literally pivoted. Yeah, a lot of your accounts are in person. Like you are training in person, face-to-face, yes. like traditional training was. So I, I can imagine people are like, you know, yes. we don't know what we're doing. Exactly. <laughs> Let alone having, you know, and cancel and all that stuff. So you brought up a good point when you talked about COVID. So this COVID and then this social movement in America, it's amazing how God has placed all of these things in this order. And this diversity inclusion piece now, we've we've got the ear of major corporations, companies coming forward like, oh, yeah, well, we're, you know, we have someone in DNI, but we we need to have someone at the C-suite level. Mm -hmm. And so I know you've pivoted and jumped into this gap. And so how are you helping businesses reach these diversity and inclusion and equity goals in this particular season? Yes, I'm glad you asked that question because I will tell you, since the George Floyd and the Maude Arbery and the Breonna Taylor cases have hit mainstream, for one, COVID made it real because most of us were in the house anyway. Right. And so 450 years now turned into five months, right? And what I've been able to do is to take the training and create spaces for employees within organizations to have a a voice. So we've been teaching how to be an ally. What do you say to your employees who are employees of color? What do you say to someone who's been directly impacted by COVID? What does the data tell you? And how can we use that data to move us forward? So I have just really enjoyed, in fact, I had a session earlier today with the Center for Nonprofit Management talking about inclusive leadership. And so what we talked to uh, with the leaders of 25 different nonprofits in the area, talking to them about how they can build a cohesive recruiting plan for their new employees who are not at the C-suite level. In fact, less than 10% of any C-suite, regardless if you're for-profit or not-for-profit, are people of color. And then you got the gender gap, too. There are very few who are women. And so just helping organizations use this data to devise solutions that they can use to address the problem. So the way that you recruit someone Uh, that is a person of color, it's going to be really different. So like one of the questions that came up today, Phil, was how do I go and find really good people who are African-American, Asian-American, LGBTQ+, that could fill this need? And what we found is they were shopping in the wrong places. Everything is not going to be Indeed. Maybe you need to go to the National Black MBA Association or the National Hispanic Association and recruit the Asian American Association, uh, going to Cherokee Nation, placing an ad there um, with their organization. So there are things that we have to do. And the key word that we talked about today was intentional, intentional recruiting 
intentional conversations that are safe and courageous. Because sometimes courage is needed. Safety is not always guaranteed. And I'm going to tell you, it's the person's perception or reaction to the words or the questions that makes them feel unsafe. But it's not that the conversation doesn't need to take place. So that's kind of where I, I sit in that space. And, and I had a pretty good stint in corporate America, 25 years, bless us. And <laughs> so I have plenty of examples and I've also spent um, some time in not-for-profit. So I have plenty yes. of examples to pull from. And so just using those stories and those narratives of some of the voiceless in those organizations has been how I've been able to really make an impact. And I love it. And are you doing most of these through Zooms? Yes. The majority of them have been through Zoom. And what Zoom allows you to do is to kind of be open, be present, because they can type something that they aren't comfortable saying. Like we had a discussion today about black hair. I brought it up and someone was like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you said that. People want to touch my hair. You know, being able to say the stuff in the spaces that traditionally have been a little, you know, that's that's not what we do around here. Yeah, yeah. And so it's really comforting. To see that we're now having these very, very, very real and authentic conversations and putting some action around it. Well, they've got the right one because I'm telling you, you I appreciate that. I know you and you give it straight and you don't beat around the bush. And when someone's not doing something right, you let them know. So thank you for doing this. And thank you for having these difficult conversations, because if there has never been a time the time is now. Absolutely. You got to you got to seize that opportunity. So, I want to make sure that everyone knows how to follow you and just kind of watch what you're doing and keep in touch with you. Can you just give my listeners your social media handles, websites, and then you also have a podcast as well. So I want them to take a listen to that as well. So drop all your social media for us. Well, the funny thing is a lot of people don't remember my name, which is Dawn Stone, and they call me the conflict chick. So all my handles are the conflict chick or conflict chick. Mm -hmm. So you'll find me on Twitter, LinkedIn as Dawn Stone. That's the only one that has my actual name. And Twitter, Instagram, YouTube is is the Conflict Chick. Yes. And my websites are www.theconflictchick.com. And the newest one is dawnstonespeaks.com. That one's coming out as well. Because I do a lot of work at the collegiate level, as you know, being a college professor absolutely love it. And I enjoy helping students pivot and start their own businesses as well. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. And the podcast is called the conflict chick. Correct. Yes. And where, where can we find your podcast? Well, my podcast is on, well, it's probably in a lot of places. I have to ask my daughter. I'm so terrible. She is my social media guru, but I know I record on audible, but we're also in, um, you can find them on Facebook. I have the conflict check on Facebook. You can find it there. I also will run them every now and then on Instagram. I do have a couple on SoundCloud too. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of it. Just do the YouTube, the Instagram, the Facebook. You got me covered. Twitter all day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, we're coming close to our time. So I want to thank you, Dawn, for coming on the show and just sharing your experience with us and then just talking about what you do because you do a lot. 
but it's it's meaningful work. So thank you. I appreciate you. it. And I, I just want to tell everybody, go out there and get involved. If you can help someone vote, this is critical to, to our nation. It's critical to our livelihood. Fill out your census. Definitely create a call to action. Just because you're at home doesn't mean you can't pivot yourself. And if you need any help whatsoever, reach out to me. I'll get you set up on a successful track. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Don. All right. Thank you. Yes. And so I just, again, want to encourage all of my listeners to make sure you follow Don on social media. Make sure to check out her podcast, The Conflict Chick, and hit her up with any questions on diversity and inclusion. And also, make sure you just stay in contact with the Philanese Nash Experience podcast. Uh, you can search it and find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe, like, comment, and rate the show. And then also hit up my website, philanesenashexperience.com, for all of the show notes for today's episode. Uh, the social media links for Don and myself will also be found there as well as any resources mentioned in this episode. I just want to encourage everyone to stay safe, wear your masks, make sure you vote and stay well. Peace. Peace.